TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have to do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. And welcome to the Score North Twins show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I'm the host of this particular show, Glenn Perkins. Uh, we have some special guests today. So everybody's been around, but I, I think I want to go around the room. Ha, you know, say your name, where you're from, <laughs> introduce yourself. No, we've got Judd Zolgad. Derek Wetmore's here today. Phil Mackey's not here. I don't know where he is. I had to go through security today to get in. Phil's usually the guy that comes and opens the door for me. Derek didn't text me back. <laughs> Super top secret um, meetings for Phil. Yeah, so wherever he is, my my doorman uh, is not here today. <laughs> Manny Hill is dir- technically directing and producing, producing and technically directing. Yes. Uh, he's here, so we have uh, lots of stuff to get to. Uh, some things have happened since last week we were at the State Fair. Uh, namely, uh, the first thing I'd, I would like to touch on is Derek had this big plan last week. Uh, Jose Barrio started the day that we did the show and said, hey, we need to give him an extra day. It's going to make all the difference in the world. He laid out his projections for the rest of the season. And then Jose Barrios pitched last night. And to me, I'm going to get your take on it first, Derek, but to me, he looked... Not as good even as he had maybe earlier. So, yes, defend yourself. Yes, but. <laughs> well, for starters, I, I said, Twins, you need to give him six days rest. They gave him five, which is better, but they didn't fully whole hog take my advice. So just to throw that out there, defend myself a little bit. And secondly, already. he actually looked better <laughs> on shorter rest, but... Remember who he's facing. Like, there's a difference between the Detroit Tigers and the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox got him last night, and they looked pretty good. And Mookie Betts is a pretty good baseball player, I've decided. He's got a chance, anyways. You decided that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was something. I cran- crunched the numbers. I uh, did some analysis news. and thought, yeah, this guy is going to be pretty good someday. Mike Trout's okay, too, they, I think, right? He got him. He's just. Well, you have to ask Derek, is, is Mike Trout okay? I'll uh, get back good? to you. I'm going to check okay. the numbers. Babe Ruth, he was okay. Not, not great. <laughs> but I, okay, there is, there is, pitching well and then there is getting good results do you know what i mean by that yes like absolutely and, and i think barrios did did not pitch particularly well against the red sox the results are what they are you see the box score but i also looked at him pitching and i thought this guy's kind of just hanging on right now what, what did you think about his outing at fenway well and, and that's kind of what i thought and last night I, you know the way that the twins operate is interesting to me and they have this cushion of a lead. Now, they have to play the, the Indians six more times, so that lead theoretically could evaporate. I don't think it's going to, but the way they approached that start last night was interesting to me in that, and I, I probably should have looked up the numbers before, but he threw a lot more change-ups, I think, than he had been. And so it almost seemed like one of those, like, hey, don't worry about the results. Go out there, work on your change-up. Maybe you've become a little bit more of a two-pitch pitcher, a little bit too much of a two-pitch pitcher. And so throw more changeups. Now, that being said, he he looked incredibly uncomfortable throwing the changeup. Mm. And like cutting himself off, it was almost like he would get his foot down and you could see that he didn't there was no torque, there was no twist in his delivery. Like 
it, it was so timid the way he was throwing it. And so I don't know, mm. like, sometimes you do that when you lose feel for a pitch. Like, you might start to baby him a little bit. But that was the one thing for me. I mean, results aside, they, they the most important thing from here to the end of the season, because he's still my number one starter in the playoffs, is you have to get him right. So whatever that takes, if it is giving him more rest, if it's giving him less rest, the broadcasters last night, uh, Cotton, Blylevin, which I completely disagreed with them in saying that, when you're when you're going through what Barrios is going through, you need to bring him back sooner. Hmm. Like I don't think that's the case at all. Like that's your way, stuff like, is better you when you're So should he pitch like on? I mean, what t- tomorrow on Sunday? Yeah, tomorrow should he just start the open? Like <laughs> no, you need to, he obviously needs a break. But whatever that whatever plan they have for him, they need to get him right because what he did last night and like you said against the Tigers, like yeah, he did okay. But that's the Tigers. Like they're, I just saw in Fangraphs this morning, they're having like one of the fifteen worst offensive seasons in baseball history. Jeez. So like, you know, safe to say I've watched them play. Are you, yeah, are you Judd, not good? Judd, maybe, maybe could go out there and pitch against the Tigers. Maybe. Ooh, I <laughs> preach, Perk. I don't know. You preach it. Let me ask you something quick before like we get too far down this Brios rabbit hole. You mentioned something, and I think it's important. The Twins are working on his mechanics right now, and they're trying to give it. You said he's cutting himself off, and that maybe he's he's babying a changeup a little bit. For the layman sitting in the room with you, me, can you explain that and what you're seeing as a former big league pitcher that that maybe it's just like maybe it's just a little bit off for Barrios? Do you sense it, that he's it, close? It, I guess. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think he ever got that far off. But the difference in being on and not on is is like a super duper duper fine line right like you know my old my old college pitching coach i was said one inch one inch difference in like a release point at where you let it go is a foot different at home plate so you're not going to pick that up on a uh, even on a high-speed camera the only way you're picking that up is like a side-by-side or like a release map like on a you know like a brooks baseball or something like that where it's where it's actually charting where you let go of the, mm. you can't see any of that stuff what what you see though and I, we talked about it the last time that he started when i was doing the pregame show for the uh fox sports is he's already rotational just in nature and so he's gotten a little over rotational so Turning, closing himself off too much on play, turning more than he usually does rotationally. Okay. So for him, it would be like if you're looking down from the top, it would be clockwise. He's he's turning too far clockwise. The Louis Tiant, and, and then he's and facing. then he can't. Then he's late getting when he gets his okay. foot down. He's late, so he has to speed up so his hip flies open. Hmm. And so then what he was doing. So what what happens then is so early in the season when he was when he was right when he was good. He would throw the ball, and he had so much force that that he his timing was was perfect, and so he would fall off toward first base. Like he would kind of spin on his left foot, and his right leg would swing over his his left leg. And even with his fastball, now a lot of times you see him throw it, and his right foot doesn't even get to the ground. It's not even he's not even like like he's throwing and like his right foot just kind of dangles there. And that's what he was doing on the changeup last night. So it goes all the way back though. It's not like okay, you need to land different or you you know, it goes all the way back to the beginning. Like you have to you have to start at the beginning to to, to like work backwards. So however you're finishing like that's it's not just your finish, it's everything that leads up to that finish. And that's the stuff that they're working on. And it's super duper minute. When I was in struggling in two thousand ten, 
uh, I had lost velocity, all those things. And my pitching coach, Bobby Quare at the time, said, throw me a ball and don't pick your back foot up off the ground when you go to throw it. So stride, throw it, and don't follow through. Just leave your foot there. And I threw the ball like three feet in front of me, straight into the ground, because I had been throwing off one leg, kind of the same way that Barrios is right now. So I had, okay. I had my, my backside was so gone that I was just spinning and throwing basically all arm. And so you see a little bit of that with, with Barrios. And what spurned that is when I was throwing a bullpen, I was missing spots, missing spots, spiking curveballs. He says, ah, your release point's just off a little bit. I said, well, it's not. you can't control your release point. It's everything before your release point. And so those, those little adjustments, I, you know, I, I, trust in, I have trust in Wes Johnson that he's going to figure that stuff out. But it, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. And I, you know, one of those things, um, any time like early in my career when I, had, when I was a starter in the minor leagues, all that, when I had trouble commanding my fastball, we would I would go like back to ninety feet and we'd put a hat on the ground and okay. I would throw change ups and, and instead of trying to hit the guy in the chest that I was playing catch with, I would hit try to hit that hat. So what it does is it makes you get out front. So I wonder part of last night seeing as many change ups he threw, if there was something to like, hey, you need to get you know, you need to get your extension back, so you need to you know, it's change ups, it's there's there's a there's a lot of little things I think that they're working on. And it was just last night when he threw those change ups and he was kinda like he would throw it, and you could see there was no conviction in it. And then he would he would let go of the ball and hit, and would his right foot like he was basically standing there on one leg with his right foot in the air. Interesting. So how uh, in in the midst of an all star season with a pitcher this good, how does this mechanical slip or slips happen? I think fatigue. I mean, that's what I've gone back to for a couple weeks now. Okay. Is that I think you get you get tired. So, you know, and, and all the guys with velocity and all those things, which is very important, and it's especially important with Jose Barrios. Like, what he does when he's 94 and up and what he does when he's below 94 are, is two different pitchers. It's One's an all-star and one's a guy with a 5 ERA like he's had for the last month and a half. Hmm. And, and so he needs that velocity, but what happens when you start to fatigue is you're going to create more velocity. And he's, like I said, he's, he's rotational by nature. So he's what you what you just immediately you know if if you go to punch somebody and you don't punch him hard enough you're going to reach back further and and to, so when he's you know, when he's in his delivery he you know and he throws and it's only ninety two he's like all right well I'm going to get a little more I'm going to turn a little further and and it's just little 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 things that you do along mm-hmm. the way you're seeing the same thing with Miguel Sano in his swing sure. where he simplified it so much and then you just slowly over time start a little bit more hand movement a little bit more of a leg kick a little bit more of a of a rotation but it happens it's the kind of thing if you watch every night you you don't see it it's just like watching a, a kid grow or a dog grow or whatever you don't you know you go away for a week and you yeah. come back and you're like holy crap my kids an inch taller <laughs> but if you see them every day you don't realize that they you lose grew, track right? of it and so, what happened? You know, if you look at, and we did this on Fox last week. If you look at Barrios early in the season, and you look at him now, it's two different pitchers. So he, he can't, or what? Why? I guess then is he struggling to fix that when clearly they can show him that film and document it and say, Jose, this is the problem. Well, and, and I'm sure he he is, but that stuff, the, the hardest part, and and I would imagine, try if I'm trying to get into Wes Johnson's head, is he's saying we're going to work on this stuff in between starts, and when you go out there, just pitch. You can't worry about that. You can't think about 
you know where your where your how where your leg kick is or where your balance point is and then where you're going to land you do all that stuff in between so, and the hard part is is he he he's fatigued and so he can't throw that like that's the hardest part as a pitcher so like you know a lot of times you'll see guys that's when guys bring out like towels or socks and they're and they're just whipping them hitting them against a chair or something because then you're not throwing a ball but you can still work on foot placement and all those other little things so i'm sure they're doing that stuff like not seeing any of it i would imagine they're doing some kind of that stuff and then when he when he goes out to pitch as much as you can you're just telling him go out there and, and throw the ball Focus on J.D. Martinez. <laughs> right. Don't, don't think about that you need to put this pitch exactly here. You okay. need to do exactly this. You can't do that because it's hard enough. The game's hard enough. So when you go out there to, to, to pitch, just pitch. And then we'll continue to hopefully sure. hopefully we'll see some progress. But, you know, they, they are doing something with him because it was he was different last night. He looked different to me last night than he had in the last few. As uh, somebody who's been critical of him, I'm pointing the finger at myself, um, critical over the last, what, five, six weeks. I am fairly confident that he can get it back within the year. This isn't like a winter maintenance, fix it for next year thing. I think that you might still see Picose Brios yet this year. A- am I crazy or are you in that boat too, Glenn? No, and I, and that's kind of what I said at the beginning and, and got away from a little bit is that they have a cushion, they have time. Five and a half game lead. and And so if they can maintain that, they can play with him and work with him because the most, like I said, the most important thing is that he's ready for game one of the playoffs. And so they can use the rest of this season as a spring training of sorts sure. to, to, to have him work on stuff. And, you know, maybe, maybe over the next, they'll give him some more time or maybe they'll be able to, to shorten up his starts a little bit where, hey, we're going to throw a little bit more on the side in between starts. So you're going to throw a little bit less in games because we have 16 relievers or whatever they have down there. <laughs> So if he's not back, I feel like it's going to be a huge long shot to win a playoff series, don't you? He's the one guy I think because they can hit, we know that, and and they can score fourteen runs. But if you either start him game one and he's the guy that we saw last night, Perk, or you say okay, Pineda's been pitching well, so he he's the guy. I just think that that's such a huge ask. He he to me is the most important player on that roster. Not right this second, but when the playoffs start, he is, and that's why you put him in game one because it doesn't. It, I can't it, do it right now, though. For Kirk. me, it doesn't, but it doesn't really matter because once it once the once the playoffs start, I mean, it's just it's not in some ways unlike spring training where a guy struggles in spring training and then the season starts and the guy's right. Like it's it's different than that, but it's the same in that you go through this season. He went to the All Star game. Like they have the lead. You're you're wore down. The adrenaline isn't there. Late August, early September. It, it's a different feel. Now Fenway Park, maybe you'd think you'd get up for that one a little bit, but um, you know, I don't know. I I just I th- I don't. I'm not worried about it. Like I think I do think he's going to get back. Ask me again now if he makes. What does he have? Five more starts. Sure. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, so if he's if, if the guy that we saw last night in Boston is the guy that we see before his first playoff start, do you start him in game one? That you probably probably can't do, I, but still, like he's still your most important guy. So I you, agree you, with you, you completely. Like you're gonna uh, like uh, that's the phrase, ride or die, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. You ride or, ride or die. Or like, die if, ace. If, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have he's it, you ain't getting through it. Ace. Like you're not. Look, guys. Either way, like Michael Pineda's got to beat Justin Verlander, or or Jake Odorizzi has to beat Zach Greinke. Like it doesn't really. If you've got the Astros, it doesn't really matter I who's feel... starting Game One. 
I feel that, that if Brios, when the playoffs start, is where he's at right now, that no matter who you face, you're probably dead. Okay, but take and, this and if another. If he's pitching well, I feel good. I feel like, okay. Take this another step, though. He's going to face off against probably Garrett Cole if it's the Astros. Game one. Garrett Cole versus Brios. Even peak Brios loses that game sometimes. That's, sure, but it's if, like a coin flip but game. But Derek, if if he loses, uh, let's say the final score is four to two or something, then you just lost. You lost. But the guy that, that we saw last night gives the, up key hits and home runs, and now guys are trying to scuffle sure. to score runs. But there's no the other thing about it is there's no guarantee that. So if you score two right. runs, that Michael Pena is going to go out there and only give up one. Like that's you know like oh, just to that. be devil's advocate. Like yes, I I think I think the way that they like it, so they're probably going to play the Astros, right? I think. Are the are the Yankees? They're struggling. Well, they won last night, but yeah, I, I, it they're neck and neck. I think the Twins are five, maybe five back now. I thought I heard last of night the that they were four back. Yeah, in the um, loss column. Yeah, so um, that's what I'm watching. But the, I I think and I think the Twins are going to end up Barrios to start the first game as long as as long as he I mean keeps it together. I think he still starts the first game. I do. And then they're. I think they'll end up doing something like game two will be a guy, and then game three will be whoever probably pitches better at home. So I think they'll they'll look at the like at if it's if it's Odorizzi and Pineda, they're gonna look and say, all right, he's better at home. Okay. I you know I don't love that stuff long term, but like there's something to that. So if it's a one percent edge, you know that's whatever. that. Yeah. yeah, and you know, or they're going to say, "All right, Pineda's been our better pitcher. We're going to run him against Granky because they probably feel like they have a better chance against Granky than they do the other two guys." Yeah, that's that's fair to say. This is all fascinating stuff, and I'm I'm really excited that we get to talk about it and know that October is going to happen now because we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. It was starting to look a little dicey. Uh, another thing that I'm fascinated to see and hear your thoughts on, Glenn. We'll do this coming up next. Is the opener concept. The Twins went to Boston and started Randy Dobnak, said they were starting Randy Dobnak, and Lewis Thorpe ended up pitching more of that game. We'll get Glenn's thoughts on that next. This is Score North Twin Show. Glenn Perkins on baseball. Back after this on Score North and scorenorth.com. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Bye. The Score North Twin Show. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I'm the host, Glenn Perkins. We have Judd Zalgad, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill running the switchboard. He's doing some sliding of something right now. Uh, <laughs> Just fading down the bumper. Yeah, fading it. He's fading down the bumper. <laughs> DJ Manny He's Hill. something. So, <laughs> Derek, you teased it at the end of the first segment. Um, Randy Dobnak with the Twins using opener. And I can't believe that we spent... Basically, an entire segment breaking down Jose Barrios and if he should or shouldn't start the first game when they got Randy Dobbins. That's to right. Start the first game. <laughs> Easy. This was obvious from the jump. He's getting at least the first batter of the first playoff game. I mean, he looked good. They might he go Wade Miley on the he, bit. He looked. He looked good the first time he was up too. Um, funky. Yeah. 
but more fastball than you think. Yeah. And then you can start to kind of see, you're like, oh, I see how this guy climbed a minor league ladder. He's got some swing and miss. He's got, he doesn't care. He had a really good strike zone. He had a really good cement mixer going. Like he struck JD Martinez out on a a slider that, yeah. That's a great term. I love that term. Just backed up. A backed up slider. uh, Again, I I don't want to rip on my colleagues at Fox Sports too much, but they were they were talking about how he was doing a good job of getting inside on guys, and I was like, mm, he's not trying to get on get inside right there. Those are sliders. <laughs> like, you could see where he's really getting under his hands. It was Jim Cobb. like, you know, he was really getting in under his hands. I'm like, yeah, no, that thing's supposed to be down and away. He's like, trying to dive that You're thing. not seeing Jason Castro, like, diving you over to the other side to catch a backup slider. <laughs> the, I love Jim Cott, though. The facial hair. The Dobnik goggles or glasses and facial hair is just outstanding. That's some confidence. Like, you get to the show and you're rocking a freaking... Yes. Well, he said... Yeah, it's a what? What do you call that? Fu Manchu. Uh, okay. It's like aggressive. It's, just, it's, it's not a, the handlebars, right? It is That's more of a hand. It's like halfway in between because doesn't a Judd? You probably know because Fu Mans were popular when you were a kid or when you were, uh, however, what high school or whatever. Yeah. Fu Mans go all the way down to like your jawline. Yes. Yeah. A Fu, Fu Man looks. Like you're about to execute a hit on somebody. <laughs> now, I, now I go back to the. That's what Dobnik did on the on the Red Sox in one inning, though. Yeah, he, he did, and yeah. very good. Uh, I, I go back to when Raleigh Fingers pitched for the A's and the Brewers, and, and had the the handlebar, which was absolutely fantastic. Well, he had. This, I'd like to see that. The fact, story you know behind what? this. So we're going to spend this entire segment breaking down Randy Dobnik's facial hair now, because <laughs> I also envisioned a Fu Manchu being like the same thickness. So, like, if you imagine from, like, the bottom of your lip to the top of your stash, you know, if that's if that's a, a three-eighths of an inch or a half an inch, that you maintain that thickness as you turn the corner to go <sighs> down. The width stays consistent. And, and so, I think maybe that, so Dobnik, is that a handlebar, then, that they get, you know, like, if you envision the old bikes, like Judd used to ride to heist to... to Elementary school backwards <laughs> uphill yeah but I don't like to talk um, about those days yeah that's you know, well, hold the, on the big yeah. curved handlebars right yes and yes, then yes. and then it got bigger because you had the grips <laughs> so so I think that's that that's I think that's a handlebar mustache I don't think that's a Fu Manchu okay All right. but didn't Raleigh fingers he had the his curled up though right oh yeah oh, so is that was that a, that was a handlebar yes. Oh, okay. that's a handlebar. That's handlebar. That comes because off that goes, your face. That comes off your face, and and you get the gel stuff and put it in and the mustache it and the, curl like it. Grease. It's fantastic. Yeah. Randy Dobnek here for mustache wax. <laughs> now the only problem is Dobnek's demeanor and facial expressions are often too happy for the facial hair. I feel like he smiles too much and is too gregarious. I think you you have to look sort of PO'd <laughs> if you're going to carry that look. Don't you, Perk? He well, he he did he walk a guy? I think he got like the first guy out and then he walked a guy. I think he faced four hitters last yeah, night. Yeah, and he was mad after uh no, he got the first two out and then he walked a guy okay. on four pitches. So that would have been Bogarts. Did Bogarts hit third? Uh-huh. Judd, you got the box score. You you were looking at Judd was reading the newspaper, uh, which I love. Like I haven't Looked at a newspaper in a long time. Ultimate like a geek. Real I scored that print. game. I scored the Dominic. <laughs> yeah, game. and your thirty dollars scorebook. Am I th- exactly right? Uh, uh, Judd was reading the newspaper when I got here today and looking at uh, attendance marks across the league. And time of games, which is often you know, do. Yeah, I like short games. <laughs> you know, that's a bygone era right there. That is uh, maybe or maybe not part of the five thoughts column this week. <laughs> that uh, it's the Twins attendance versus the State Fair is actually what I was looking up yesterday. Okay. Ah, what okay. did the State Fair end up at? Two point. I saw two point one something. 
and last year they outdrew the Twins. This year the Twins, I I like their chances. Yeah. Okay. You got to believe, especially down the stretch. Uh, Dobnak got Betts to line out to first, got Devers striking out swinging, Bogarts he walked. And then right. JD Martinez struck out. Yeah, so he, and walked, then he was done. So he he was mad when he when he walked Bogarts. He he had a little bit of a he was stomping around a little bit. So here's a guy he pitched independent baseball in 2017. He starts in Fort Myers last year. Low start this year. He's an Uber driver in spring training. You've all heard that story. Four point nine nine out of five rating. Not just on a Uber? driver. He was a great Uber driver. <laughs> Hall of Fame league level Uber driver. Yes. Yeah. So, His war on Uber incredibly uh, yeah. high. Per- so I heard a couple of rumors when he first got called up. One is that he was going to try to f- track down the guy who gave him a four star and figure out what he did wrong, <laughs> which is awesome. He's just a perfectionist, I guess. That's great. And then the second thing is he was kind of just playing around with like a beard and shaved it all goofy. You know, if if you grow up you. Judd, I think you've done this in the past, where we'll do like uh, No Shave November for a, a promotion or a charity, which great, great memories, good times. And then at the end, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take this thing down, but you'll you'll shave it in a in like a goofy way. You're like, oh, I'm never going to wear this, but this is a funny selfie to have. Yeah, he did that, and then gets the call that he's getting promoted to Double A, and so he's like, well, okay, well, I, this my, this is the lucky facial hair. It's got to stick. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the rumor I heard, and it's a good story. So what's the story with your facial hair? No, this is uh, lost a bet. (laughs) Richie Cunningham lost a bet. (laughs) I, I told somebody at the beginning of the summer that I was just getting a head start on the Stanley Cup playoff beards. I needed a big uh, no. head start. Is, uh, so is this for next year's? Hockey playoffs, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Judd likes that. He's happy about that. Yeah, exactly right. Big hockey guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Dobnik and then Lewis Thorpe. So you were you were talking to, I think we can mess up on the radio, to Jake DePew. Yes. Um, about, is I, what would you call it, opener etiquette? Etiquette? Yeah, like, etiquette? this is the decorum of baseball. Jake told us yesterday on the Score North Twin Show that that he thought anyways, and, and you had slightly different thoughts when we were talking off Mike Perk, but that if you are going to start an opener and switch, you know going into the game this dude's getting the first four hitters and it's done. That you would at least go with the same handedness of a reliever. And and I had never heard that before. I'm thinking the real advantage is in switching their handedness. So Lewis Thorpe can go three plus against a lineup stacked for righties. But what this wasn't a prevalent thing in your day, Glenn, but what is your thought on the twins going with the opener and then switching the handedness? Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever saw it. I feel like the Rays kind of started doing it last year. Yeah, it was the first big introduction. It, it might have happened like late in seventeen, but I don't remember it. I don't think teams. I don't think honestly. I don't think. No, I think you're. Did it. I think it was June of eighteen. Yeah, Perkin. I, I think Sergio Romo, if I'm not mistaken, was their main it, opener for a while. He, was he the first for the? I think he was. I, he might have been the first. I know they went with Sergio and like Ryan Stanick was a big opener yeah. guy for them. Doesn't everybody remember like the first? Who was the first DH, Judd? Uh, the first DH was Ron Blomberg of the Yankees in 73, but the first home run by a DH was hit in Oakland by Tony Oliva. Tony Oliva. Oh, okay. He was the first so DH So you remember those things? So now, first is Sergio Romo's the first opener? Is that the next? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to stick in my head now? as long. Okay. We'll see. Well, maybe, maybe there's some 17-year-old Judd Zolgad out there. Maybe. Oh, I'm sure there is. remember Sergio Romo. I, I don't think, though, that the opener has the staying power of the DH, but I could be wrong. Maybe. I could be wrong. <laughs> um, so I now i got completely off track. What did you ask me? My question is, like, A, do you care oh, that they switch yeah. handedness? And um, B, what do you think of the strategy? I, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't care. I, like, I, like, I agree with you that you switch. Like, that's kind of the point. And I think the first couple times that teams were doing it, like, that's why they did it. Uh, I think you're losing your competitive advantage. I guess the the main competitive advantage is that you're having your main pitcher, whatever you want to call him, bulk pitcher, primary pitcher, yada yada yada, um, face the bottom of the lineup. Like you're starting you're starting with the fourth or fifth hitter instead of the first hitter. So when you come back through, everybody knows about that. I I, I, I it doesn't bother me. I mean I, I I think there's room, you know, like on a staff for one. I think every team has a spot where you could benefit from having an opener. Um, and teams only really started paying attention to the third time through thing a, a couple years ago. And so it's it's a that's a thing with Gibby, that's a thing with with Odorizzi, that's a thing with Martin Perez. And really, you know, Barrios when he's right, he's fine. Pineda typically doesn't make it much past the five or six inning where he's facing he might face 20 guys in in a game. So, um you know, but but then again, like you have guys like, so yeah, you could say, all right, Gibby, we're gonna have an opener for you, and then you're gonna come in. You also have to consider how each guy will respond to that. And I know they tried it with Odorizzi last year in September, and he was not having it, and that's fine. Then there's some guys. So it, I, to me, it the best way to do it ends up being like what the Twins did, where you've got a young guy in Randy Dobnak, and then you've got a young guy in Lewis Thorpe who. Is happy to be there and deserves to be there and all those things, but doesn't have maybe the 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 time in the game to be like, yeah, I don't like that crap, you know. And so, uh, I almost swore again. <laughs> I love I love baseball players. I caught myself. This is a bunch of BS, Rocco. Yeah, I caught myself. That's two weeks in a row that I almost swore and caught myself. Really so. impressive. At least we're not live this time. You could you could bleep it out here. It'd be um, no problem at all. Well, we couldn't have bleeped it out in front of people at the Minnesota State Fair. Well, your Fair, producer back in studio hits the dump button. It's, a, it's still on delay. You're right. Um, You're right. But, uh, you know, so I think that's the way to do it, that you have sure. a guy, and it's a, good way to, it's a good way to break guys in. And I almost, I would almost maybe do, like, have Dobnik go one time through. And then have Thorpe go one time through. I think what happened to Thorpe the other night is he got stretched out too far. He hadn't thrown, you know, he's been up here for a little bit now, hasn't thrown that much. He got up to 56, 57, 60 pitches, something like that. And you saw he kind of just ran out of gas. Sure. But I would do it more like like a piggyback style. Okay. So I'd go like, you get you got one time through, get as many outs as you can. And then you second time through, get as many outs as you can. That's a bullpen game though, right? Because if now if I take... Gibson and give him an opener. That's that's the spirit of that exercise, correct, Perk? So, like, if if uh, Dobnik pitches the first, Kyle comes in and pitches, let's say four or so. But I, I felt like what the Twins did a couple nights ago in Boston is just truly a bullpen game where you don't you don't really have a starter and you back Brios up a night. So, to me, that there's a difference between. What Tampa did, which was I'm atta- I'm attaching a pitcher to you because partially I don't trust you, and Brios is just being backed up, so it turns into you got one, you got two or three, blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, and I think that it came out that way because nobody knew that. Like I thought Dobnik was just going to pitch because I Same. mean he was down in the minor That's leagues. Like, oh, maybe, I don't know if he's a starter or reliever or what he's Starter. doing down there. So he's a starter. He's so started, it's like, yeah, hey, maybe he's just going to start this game, and you know if he runs into trouble, then they're going to bring in Duffy or Trevor May or somebody to get out of it. But then, you know, and then you go to another guy. Like I thought that's what they were going to do. But if I was going to do 
Like I would, I would probably just like the next time through. Like if you want to keep giving these guys breaks, is is start Dobnak and back him up with Thorpe again and try to get through six innings. Like give Dobnak an extra inning and take an inning away from from Thorpe maybe because he was what nine up nine down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked good and then he kind of lost his strike zone. Yeah, like, you, you know that's which is what happens when you're up and down and you're not used to up and down as far as finishing an inning and, and cooling off, not up and down in. in Transactionally, but right. that those things happen. Like you run out of gas faster. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing they brought up on the broadcast that I hadn't thought about for this. Do you remember your first outing at Fenway Park? Yeah, I first do. time you were in yeah. Fenway. It yep. was a big day for you. That was my major league debut. So, so that's yes, why I, I ask. That <laughs> okay. Okay. So I guess it would be kind of awe-inspiring, no matter what park you're in, for your big league debut. But like, is is Fenway different? Is is Wrigley different? Is Yankee Stadium different? So Fenway Fenway is cool and. In the history and the monster, like the stadium is is really neat. Like it's just, it's different than anywhere else you go, right? Like even even all the fields now that they're trying to make them open concourse and look retro or whatever. Sure, that one actually like it, it's the original. Uh, Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium was a dump, but it was cool because that was also the history. New Yankee Stadium is the clubhouse is unbelievable, the food's unbelievable, all that stuff. But the stadium is like sterile. Okay. It's like a sterile Yankee Stadium, and I don't I never liked it. Okay. Um, and I never went to Wrigley, so I never okay. got to see that one. I never went to L.A. The Dodgers. I guess I'm thinking like bright lights wise. Is there something to it? Because that's what Jim Cotton, and Burt Blyleven were talking about. They're like, hey, think about this. So what I remember from my debut. What I remember from my debut is I came in and there was a couple guys on base. We were losing by a couple runs. I think it was the sixth or seventh inning. And I was facing Carlos Pena, and I remember as I was warming up, I they must have been doing the wave or something, and but it felt like I was in a silo, so it didn't have like this big expansive feel. It felt like I was like everybody was above me and like hanging over, wow, cheering and all those things. Like I in that respect, it was super overwhelming. Um, you get over. I mean, I get you get over it pretty quick, you know. But it like. As far as as places to debut, that that's probably at the top of the list. I mean, sure. and I, I I I never loved. It was weird. Like I never loved going there. Like the city's confusing. The, the <laughs> like none of the streets are like in squares or anything like that. So that was always confusing. And then the clubhouse is tiny. They're like not very well kept. But it was still cool to be there. It's a great drinking town park. The bars are fantastic. I would not know that, Judd. <laughs> did you not get out of the team never. hotel once never, or twice? Never did. Not, not, my whole, the, not my whole career. The bars, the bars in Boston. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. The bars in Boston. I've been there once. It's, it's off the charts. Now you, you're right. The problem is you have five or six beers. You come out of the bar. You have have no, no clue idea where, where your hotel is. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you on that. But man, when you're in those bars, it's fun. We're gonna spend the third segment of the show today breaking down the cities and how good they are and how good the bars are. Based on the beers, based on drinking cities. Are you kidding? Based on the beers that you get from the clubbies. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's interesting from their perspective that like even in their day, which I felt like Jim Cott brought up a teammate from every decade of the 20th century. He's like, oh yeah, I, well, played, I played with. Uh, but it was like he'd go from anywhere from playing with, uh, like in the eighties and nineties, Ron Davis, back to like honest Who did wag he drop. He <laughs> dropped somebody on the Cardinals. Was it Vince Coleman or no, not Vince Coleman? It was Ozzie Smith. Played with Ozzie. Yeah, yeah, he probably played with him. Played with yeah. everybody. And <laughs> Dick brought up. Ron Davis, who the Twins acquired to close in the 80s, and it, it was a disaster. So well. but, but he had been a great setup man for Goose Gossage with the Yankees. Davis had. 
And Cott's like, oh, yeah, I played with him his first year. <laughs> Cott's played me. with everybody. He started in 1959, you guys. That shocked and went, me. And played for... He's 80. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I love him on the TV when he's get You know, he's not going to do... 160 games, but when you get that exposure to him, and I think he makes Burt a little better too, quite honestly. But the thing that stood out to me is like, even in talk about putting Perk in a bad the days position. that they were. No, I'm not asking him for comment. I'm just <laughs> stating my opinion. I enjoy. I do enjoy listening to him. I, I think that they, you know. Jim Cott's thing has always been he like he can't go five minutes without talking about Camila Pasquale. Yes. Like that name comes up every time. I'm just like sitting there waiting. Like he's talking about something. I'm like he's going to talk about Camila Pasquale. Curveball. Here it comes. Yeah, the curveball. Like, a couple nights ago. You know what? No, and they're they're good. Like in a way, I like hearing those like those stories where they're talking about guys. Yeah, but like the fact that they even brought up Fenway was a huge deal even then. And and the perspective to say, well, hey, this is a 23 year old kid, Lewis Thorpe. Taking him out of that starter's spotlight could have another little boost effect. I, I didn't even think about that at all as part of the strategy. Yeah, well, and that's and that's again, like if I was going to do the opener thing, you take two young guys and you do that because it really it, it eases pressure on both guys. It, you can, you know, like Randy Dobnik, you could say, hey, go out there and throw the hell out of the ball. Let it eat. You got Mookie you bets. got nine batters. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you get them all out. You go three innings. You whatever. You got nine batters. You got three innings. You know, whatever. And then same with Lewis Thorpe. Go out there and let it go. Don't worry about the sixth inning. Don't worry about the fifth inning. Don't worry about the seventh inning. Just go out there and throw. You and you know that was like as a young starter, the heart that was a really hard thing was like, man, I got to find a way to get there so I don't screw everybody else. Sure. And so it, I think it's it, that's. Getting back to Judd's original question of of the opener, like I I, w- I would do it and I would do it like that, like that would be my fifth spot in a in a rotation, is young guys and mix them up, just attach them all together, yep. basically. Sure. Until Gibby gets back, at least let's uh, come back and talk. About, we're overdue for a break. Um, let's talk about the starting rotation, and because it's very different now than it was, say, two weeks ago. And, and the, the one guy that we need to get your thoughts on, Bruce Dargraderall. Because yes. when you can throw 100 miles an hour, I'd like to talk about you. Yes, that's right. So we'll get to that next on the Score North Twin Show, Glenn Perkins on Baseball. This is Score North and scorenorth.com. Don't forget the Score North mobile app. The Score North Twin Show. Bomba. On Score North and scorenorth.com. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, it is Score North download time, and this download is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. And uh, it is a uh, notice to you listening to us right now at Score North that it has been 10 years since we all went on that magic carpet ride with Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings. And we here at Score North are doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind 2009 Vikings Edition. It's on demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can just go to scorenorth.com and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind 2009 Vikings Edition. Check it out. It's fantastic. All right, that's your Score North download. Now time for one more segment of Glenn Perkins on Baseball. Welcome back to the Score North 
First place twin show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Derek Wetmore with you. Judd Zalgad and Manny Hill uh, producing and technically directing. And he's also playing movie music that I, I don't I, understand. I, I love this bumper. Is that <laughs> Nightcore? We can't, we can't say it because then we'd have to... That's right. <laughs> it's That's from right. it's from a movie that Derek hasn't seen, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the list of well, movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, go down the list of movies yeah. he hasn't seen. So, guys, I'm a little maybe fair to say I'm like the optimistic guy on the score North first place twin show. I'm a little nervous about where the starting rotation is right now. Um, and I think we can just lump that together with a conversation about the new guy in the bullpen that Judd wants to talk about. Um, whose name I still struggle to pronounce, but I'm trying. I'm getting better. I'm working on it. With Gibby going down, with con- you say an illness and question mark for when he gets back, Martin Perez looking bad the other day, and Jose Barrios you're working on as a project right now. I'm a little nervous about where this rotation is, not only for September, but obviously then going into October. How how do you fix this? Glenn? I f- well, I feel like that's been like an evergreen thought for, but not for me. The I'm better like, part of a couple months. I'm good with this because I thought he hey, called you your take old stale. Ship. By the way, they've Derek. been they've been doing the same thing. Like save save for Gibby getting ulcerative colitis or whatever he's got, but um, they've been doing the same thing for like two months now. Like, yeah, I guess I think that I always saw a there there like a light at the end of the tunnel for how they could get back to it. And now I'm questioning that. So to me, to me, guys like starting pitches throughout a season, like they a lot of times they start hot and then it you, you end up either coming back to reality or regressing more the other way. Like the, this is kind of what they are. Okay. And so like and they are going to get to a hundred wins with it. Yeah. So you know, and it's not like if they win the World Series, if they win a playoff series, if they do anything in the playoffs at all, it's going to have nothing to do with the pitching. Like their pitchers are going to be good enough. It's going to be like the like the the Red Sox game two nights ago. Sure, they might jump out to an early lead, and then it's going to be white knuckle for the last five innings. Like, hang on, <laughs> find a way to hang on. How are we going to get the last twelve outs? Two thousand nine Yankees just score you know, more runs. It, than that's what that's what it is. Like they're not going to they're not doing what the Astros are doing and going to go sweep a three game series and give up five runs in the whole series. Sure, and score fifteen or twenty like they're going to do. <laughs> They're gonna have. They're gonna get out to an early lead. They're gonna knock a pitcher out, and they're gonna win the game. They're not gonna. They're not gonna win some pitching duel going down. I mean, when's the last time they had a pitching duel? May. Yeah. I mean, it's like against a good team. Against anybody. I'm. I'm trying to think like a, a contender too, and I can't to be well, honest. I mean, Verlander, right? You go back. Verlander won nothing. Early yeah. This year. I mean, you go back. Honestly. You go back through their scores. Like, when's the last yeah. time a team, one of the two teams, hasn't scored like seven runs in a game or six runs in a game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a long time, right? And so, you know, that's how that's that's how they're going to win. If they win, that's what it's going to be. And so, the the rotation doesn't really matter. Like, they need Brios to be better than he's been. I'll give him. I'll give you that. Michael Pena has been fine. If he can do that, fine. Yeah. Jake Odorizzi has been okay to not very good. But again, like if you get okay, Jake Odorizzi, that's enough to win. Like he's if he can go five innings or six innings and give up three runs, that's enough to win. Like they're not they're not trying to, they're the first to six. Whoever gets to six first wins the game. That long type of type of. Well, I just think that I think that if the Twins either whichever side it is, I think if you get to six, you're either going to do what the Twins did two nights ago, or you're going to end up winning twelve to 
six or you know like I mean even go back to the laugher. go back to that um, Mariners game where they scored like fifteen runs or whatever it was eighteen runs like they get out to a lead and then they you know they get out to a bigger lead and then they get some back like I'm not saying that they're gonna win six nothing. I'm just saying that if you get to six, then you're going to face the bullpen. Maybe you can score a few more, and you win ten to five. Hmm. Like that's how, that's how those games are going to go. They're not going to win some game three to nothing. What should be expected of Bruce Dar? Because I, I feel fan wise, there's a ton of talk about this, and the kid throws exceptionally hard, and it looks it all looks great. But if you're in that clubhouse and and people are talking about man, if he can just come up and do this or or, or that, what's a realistic expectation for him? Uh, to contribute going into October, do you think? I, I mean, I think he can contribute. The interesting, so last night, I didn't see him pitch against the Tigers, but last night, um, he didn't get a swing and a miss. And I don't think he had very many in the in the first his first outing either. So, And that's, that's not a knock on him. It's hard to learn how to strike out hitters in the big leagues. So what you saw last night was a couple jam shots, the one that didn't leave the infield, and then the, and then the one that shallow left that Rosario caught. Um you know he's he the slider not great for me right now like right. it's it's kind of just there it's a good change of pace i mean he's throwing a hundred so like you don't need to have like a like a wipeout slider like that and then he then he would have been up here two years ago but i i think as far as him like you're gonna get into a situation where he's throwing the seventh eighth type of innings i i'm not sure that's what we would see right away i mean they have you know, and now Dyson just went down again, but they have they have some guys that have been really good at the back end. I think that he's a real weapon if Odorizzi goes five innings or four innings. Right. You know, or you see him, hey, Odorizzi's four innings and two runs, but, you know, we're back to the top of the order. We don't want him going through a third time. Gratterall, you got the fifth, maybe the sixth. I, I think that's a, I mean, you definitely, I don't see a way that he's not on the playoff roster. I mean, you have to you have to take that fastball, and I think in time when he learns how to strike guys out, like that's a that's an art in the big leagues is learning how to. Took me till 2011 to learn how to strike guys out, to like actually figure out like okay, I've set him up now, I can do this and strike him out. Like he's got no clue. He's just trying to throw the ball in the strike zone and and get and he's going to get by with just pure stuff. What have you thought about his ability to do that though? Cuz even that at 21 is tough to dial it in. It is, but I don't but the the thing that worries me is when you're not getting strikeouts like in a high leverage spot where sure. you need you know, now maybe maybe you know, the 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 first two batters that he faced or he walked one but so the 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 guy that popped out to Sano and then the guy that popped out to Rosario like those, those have a hit percentage of, of about the same as a strikeout. So you can live with that like infield jam shot thing, but mm-hmm. you definitely, if a guy's going to be in a high leverage spot, you want swing and miss stuff. And I think in time he'll get there, but right now, I, you know, it just, I mean, and that's not, again, like that's not his fault. It's just he's 21 and doesn't have a ton of experience. I mean, I saw this, I saw him pitching in GCL in 2017. So two years later, he's in the big leagues. Like he was rehabbing a Tommy John at the point at that time. And he missed a chunk of time this year with a shoulder. So, yeah. like, he doesn't have a lot of experience. You shouldn't expect him to come up there and just start punching tickets. But it just as far as his overall, what he can provide this year, yeah, he's he's on the roster and he's your probably your first guy out of the pen. Uh, and in, that's fine. In, in a situation where we're a starter. But that's what happens in place. And hey, you know, you don't, Odorizzi, you don't need to go six. You don't need to go seven. You don't need to throw 100 pitches. You only need to throw, if it's 60 and you get through the order twice, you're done. Like, see ya. Gratterall, Duffy, Romo, 
Rodgers, however you want to do it from there, that's what that's what you do. And so I think I mean I think he's we're, we'll see a lot of him in the playoffs. I, I I do believe that. I can't wait. That'll be so much fun. Just the fastball and the learning on the fly. And what, he's a kid. And the let's playoffs go. are bruised. Are yeah. what <laughs> what amazed me? Both. What amazed me about him last night though is like it doesn't. Now I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It doesn't look a hundred. Right. And I think right. part of it is the delivery is so easy. Part of it is the movement on the ball. Like he's got some arm side run, which is hard to do at a hundred. Part of me is like, does that thing have? Like life, you know, like that same like it's obviously a little bit lower of a spin because it's moving. Like it, if it was spinning faster, it wouldn't move at all because it doesn't have much time. So I don't know. Like it, it, it didn't have like that zip, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad like, thing. Like can a hitter see that ball better than a typical hundred? Yeah, yeah. Here's the other I thing. Think there's something, and I think. It, but again, it's still a hundred. Right. I was going to say you might be right, but there's no such thing as a typical hundred. Just off, off the top of your head, when you say you don't know if it's good or bad, what's your first thought though? I don't think that's good for swings and misses. Okay. I think long term that that's a at the, in the big leagues that that's a that's a swing and miss issue thing. I looked it up when you were talking because I I couldn't remember his Tigers outing. I just remember being impressed that he filled up the strike zone with fastballs and he could throw the slider for a strike and beneath the strike zone if he wanted as a chase pitch. Uh, one swinging strike so far in his two outings yeah. in the big leagues. So that's just you know w- without a high spin highlight like a life on the fastball thing, it doesn't look like. And I know his strikeout was a strikeout looking at the mm-hmm. top of the zone. Mm-hmm. You can, he's still. I mean, I, I imagine he's going to be just fine. And in time, I think he will learn how to strike guys out. The slider doesn't have like much snap to it. But a lot of guys. I mean, he's young, and a lot of guys that come from any of those Latin guys, whether it's Dominican or Venezuelan or any of them, initially struggle with breaking stuff. A lot of those guys can never like Bartolo Colon pitched. 20-some years here, and never was able to throw like, command a breaking ball. He was always a fastball changeup guy. Some of those guys just have trouble spinning the baseball. And, you know, I don't know if that's it's a little bit of a stereotype, a little bit of a generalization, but it, it, he, to me, you don't see, like, like, bite. But, again, now he's got some better pitching coaches to work with. He's got better, just better staff in general. I mean, I, I love the upside of him. Like, you love a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. You know, and it's it's two outings, but just looking at it, it doesn't look. And there's there's a multitude of reasons for that. Like it sure. did, it doesn't look a hundred. You know, and just one of them for me. That's it's stuck out last night. Like ah, there's just not. It doesn't have like a ton of zip. It doesn't have a ton of life on it. So we'll see. We'll see. He's got a chance. Yeah. Um, I think mu- that's about it. That's the music. Yeah, We're Manny's here. Manny's walking us off the stage. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, like, thank he you tells you like to thank he tells us like you got you, he tells us comes out with the hook and just who would you like to thank? <laughs> he tells Start us before people. the segment starts. You got eight or nine minutes, and then we we had, don't have a clock in here. Can't so shut up. That's a, that was an oversight. We have us. all these super nice TCL TVs, <laughs> but we have no clock. <laughs> Engineering. That'll be all. That's it. We uh, we will Thanks, see Perk. you next week. Uh, leave a review on the app, the free app. It is free. The mobile Sco- Score North mobile app is what we're calling. You can it. read my stuff, you know, Perk. You can read Judd's. You wrote so. What'd you write last night? You wrote uh, a Vikings. A Vikings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. We'll <laughs> yeah. wait for Derek's five thoughts. Call it's twins. <laughs> it's still twin season. You know, I've always supported you, Perk. It's still a twin <laughs> season. Right now. We're still supported. We're you. still. This isn't the first place Vikings show. This is the first place Twins show. Bye. Thank you for listening. We will see you guys next week.